Yes, I promise That's you. That's really funny. That's so good. Here you go, so you can see. Ah, nice. And I put my phone on airplane mode. Airplane mode? No one will disturb this. <laughs> but it will save. It will save, yes. Will. <laughs> yes. Yeah. How's it going? It's been good. I'm just slowly getting back on the, on the grind of releasing them. Of a podcast releasing the pod, yeah. yeah is that a just, Keith Urban shirt you're wearing? It is. Look at that. <laughs> you like it? I do. We got a I, last name's Keith. His first name's Keith. We got a bond. That's true. You know, everybody's That's like, true. your last name's Keith. That's weird. It's a first name. I'm like, yeah, yeah, baby. I got two first names. Well, you could be Keith Delaney. I could. I well. actually knew a guy uh, in high school. And his dad was named Keith Delaney. Oh, really? The Delaney family, yeah. I think it's I made some Delaney's. Maybe in the distance. Yeah, maybe yeah. someone I went to elementary school with. That's not allowed. I have to be the only one. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Yeah, it's, so I've just been interviewing more people. Nice. It's been going well? Yeah. Cool. It's uh, It's been fun. It's like the last... The next episode I'm about to release is um, like a clothing brand. Whoa, right on. Yeah, what so kind of clothing? Would you wear it? Like urban. Yeah. Like Keith? Yeah, like <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, like uh, it's definitely urban. Um, they're called Bummer World. Ooh, that's cool. Yeah. And so that was interesting. Uh, I'm coming up with questions for them. For a clothing brand, yeah. yeah. It's expanding your range of, uh, yes. of, I guess, how to communicate with people and learning about them. That's Just pretty like cool. with you. You're yeah. one of the first actresses or actors. Do you call them actors or actresses? I don't gender it. I feel like that's weird. I feel like Just every time I, I call myself an actor, but I okay. also sometimes say actress. I don't ever check myself. If I say actor, I'm not like, oops, I mean, actors don't, think, don't misgender me. No. <laughs> I mean, like, I've had, I've had, like, older men be like, you mean actress? And I'm like, no, I mean, fuck you. <laughs> no, no, <laughs> no, honestly, I don't. I, yeah, it doesn't matter to me. But, yeah, questions with you, because I'm like, she thinks differently than us musicians. Yeah, but it's kind of similar. It is. You know? We are kind of, we're both performing in, in a Yeah, way. yeah. And I feel like, in a way, like, everybody acts every day. So, like. That's true. In your day-to-day life, you, right now with me, you're being a different Jordan than you were probably a few minutes ago when you were pouring yourself a cup of coffee talking with your roommate, you know what I mean? <laughs> so it's like always, we're always acting. That's true. Yeah. No one's really the same with everyone. Right. Yeah. Like we are different versions of ourselves at work versus going to the grocery store versus hanging with friends. Certain friends, you feel like you got to act a certain way around and, you know. Right. That's just, yeah. Some friends, you can just say whatever you want. Yeah, those are the best friends, the in my opinion. Friends, yeah. The ones that you can, like, meet up with after mm-hmm. not talking for a while, and it just is, like, nothing happy. You can just pick up where you left off, and it's easy. Like, the low-maintenance easy friends where you leave and you feel, like, full of energy. Yes. Yes. Versus, like, energy the people vampires. that... Yes. So real. Draining people. So real. You be careful. Yeah. And I bet it feels like that with making music, too. And, like, you know, I dabble in music some, but if I feel, like, exhausted by 
trying to like learn a song or be in a rehearsal process learning a scene or whatever I'll like take a step away from that I'm like okay I have to remind myself why I'm actually doing this here so I don't feel like totally drained by it oh by like investing too much in like yeah or if it's like a like I've been in shows and rehearsal processes where it feels like I leave and I'm like, wait, why am I doing this again? And oftentimes it's like I'm getting in my own way or there's a lot of ego in the room and and how to navigate that ego without, you know, like knowing that people are going to have those egos and try to like detach yourself from it. Or like whenever I get an ego of like, why am I not doing this quote unquote right? Or like I'm disappointed in my performance here. Like, no, being able to detach from that and being like, okay, it is what it's supposed to be. And like I can generate my own peace, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. We're making a great deal here. We haven't even started. Okay, cool. Hey, everyone. Welcome to Nashville Artists. I'm Jordan, and today Delaney Keith is here. Hello. Delaney Keith. Keith like Keith. urban. Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which is the shirt that Jordan is wearing now. You are, you'll not, you're not seeing it right now, but uh, it's a pretty, pretty Eventually, cool really Keith nice. Urban tee. <laughs> we need a picture in a little bit. Let's yeah. See. Cool. So where are you from again? Originally, I am from Knoxville, Tennessee. Went to school at MTSU. Lived in Atlanta for a year. Lived in Nashville for several years after graduating, but then moved to Atlanta. Then just was in New York for a couple months. Probably be going to be going back there. Moving back there? I think so, yeah. Nice. Yeah. Huh. Where in New York? Where was I staying? I was in uh, Bed-Stuy, but I was studying with the Barrow Group, which is an acting studio in Manhattan. So that was like close to Penn Station, if you know, for reference. Never been to New York. You've never been to New York? No. The Big Apple? you never been to... walking here? No, I haven't been walking. You gotta go. You gotta go. You gotta go. Yeah. Want some coffee? Want some coffee? You got a dollar slice? The dollar slice is now a dollar fifty slice. Inflation, everyone. Oh, wow. I know. Yeah, but I studied there, just did a six-week intensive after only if I had only studied with them on Zoom before, so that was really, really nice to be in person in an acting studio for six weeks. What's a, when you say intensive? Yeah, it's just like more of a, I guess not regimented, but the schedule was more intense than say an eight-week, one-night-a-week course. It was more of like you're there four days a week, several hours every day. And it's a very quick turnaround. So I was learning material. Like I would do three new scenes a week and it was just like very like quick turnaround on your feet, very immersed in that environment. It is like my every single day, what I'm doing. Get into character now. Yeah. <laughs> Which one? No. <laughs> we need you to be a goblin. And- <laughs> my precious. <laughs> Go Smeagol mode on the pod. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so are they like, all right, all day today, you're just going to cry. And we're going to see how well you cry. No, you know what? No, um, they don't tell me that. That's not how that works. Um, but I will say I did kind of, I guess, become known as the girl who can cry. I feel like I just am a very sensitive person. So material can move me very easily and I just ended up doing scenes that I would be moved by and just end up crying or like you know I would see my scene partner being moved and that would move me and I'm like really just like open to it so I'd cry a lot actually which is funny that you ask that because 
people were like, how do you just cry? And I'm like, it's not me trying to, I promise. I'm just sensitive. (laughs) Yeah. I used to be able to cry on command or just like make my eyes water. Yeah. I find like when people are always like, how do you cry on command? And I feel like if you think about crying on command, you're not going to do it. And, and that's also just like a funny question that people ask actors just like how do you memorize all those lines that's like my grandmother's number one question for me she's like Lainey how do you memorize all those lines I would just I would just forget them as soon as I got up there and I'm like that is actually the easiest part of being an actor is when you have your lines memorized everything else can just happen for you and like whenever I think oh you have to cry here I freeze but whenever I am just focused on like surrendering and being in the moment and being open to whatever happens and taking that pressure off and more like thinking about the circumstances of the scene, mm-hmm. then it just always happens. Right. <laughs> yeah. And if it doesn't happen, that's also okay. It doesn't mean like that's a bad right, take. Yeah. It doesn't mean that was a bad take, but I have had a few directors being like, okay, we're going to call action and you're going to start crying. <laughs> And so that's like my work as an actor is to be like, okay, what? It's the most tragic. What's like the moment before, or yeah, like not even thinking about tragedy, but like what's something that's made me sad recently? Even in current events, you know, there's a lot happening in the world, so it doesn't take much to (laughs) get there, I guess. Right. I understand. Empath. I'm such an empath. (laughs) I am too. It's almost like you can feel how someone's feeling. It's cringe. Without them telling you. Yeah, I know. It's actually really cringe of me to be an empath. (laughs) Well, it sucks because it drains you. Yeah. You got to protect it. Yeah. That's like a learned skill, though, is to be able to kind of create like your own protection bubble, but be able to let it in when you need it. Right. Yeah. Kind of guard your heart. Right. And to not make everything like, like with playing certain characters, sometimes there's a lot of heavy material and I've got to go places that are pretty heavy. And I feel like I cannot be a method actor. Like when people try to, you know, fully go there mentally of like, I'm putting myself in this situation. I think I've got to protect myself for my own mental health. So like knowing what that situation is, like, maybe imagining it and then letting it go and you know for some sort of self-preservation I feel like is essential to not fully fully like imagine like what if my whole you know family died or something like I don't have to I feel like I don't have to do that to get there now which is nice I see nice yeah you don't want to pull Heath Ledger oh my god no I know (laughs) Okay, so do you have any siblings? I do. I have a sister and a brother. I'm a middle child, a Uh younger sister, who is a farmer and just bought a house with her fiancé. She's getting married. And a brother who is already married with kids living in Delaware right now. So I'm the spinster. I'm the unconventional child. Of my parents, I'm like, it's okay, as long as my parents have those two to to, to live to, that life. <laughs> right. Yeah. Are they into the arts at all? My sister and Your, brother, or yeah, my like yeah. my family in general? Sister and brother first, I guess. Well, my brother is in the military, so, oh. I mean... What branch? 
Air Force. Okay. Yeah. Not really. I mean, he watches stuff. He asked me if I'd seen Desperate Housewives the other day. <laughs> That's like his latest obsession is Desperate Housewives. Him and my my sister-in-law have been watching it, and she's Japanese, so they're watching it with like Japanese subtitles. And I'm like, what a trip would that be yeah. to just be watching Desperate Housewives with Japanese subtitles? So I guess that's like, I don't know, no. And my sister, yeah, like she loves art and music and film, but she's not, like whenever I was in, doing a lot of Shakespeare professionally, she was like, meh, I hate Shakespeare. Like, how can you do that? You know, like she was not, she was very anti-Shakespeare. And there was a few times where we did like plays together and sang together growing up. And she's just like not she does not find joy in performing like I do, I'll say. Although I do think she's talented, but she's not, yeah. I'm the one that got bit by the bug, I think. I see. What about your parents? My mom is a social worker. My dad is an engineer. I will say they gave me a cool taste in music, but... And they and film. They've got a good taste in film, but... So I'm very grateful for that. But they're they've definitely not been, like... Like, the momager parent of, like, I'm going to push my baby to get her the gigs, you know. It's definitely, like, they are just like, yeah, go for it. Like, if you want to be this actor, do it. But you kind of got to figure it out because we don't know anything about that world, you know. Nice. Well, at least they are, like, set you up to figure it out. They're like, we don't know about this. You got to figure it out. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) At least they made you work hard. exactly. They gave you the courage to know what you're up against. Yeah. We'll call it that. (laughs) It's awesome. So what were you into as a kid? What was I into as a kid? What did you do as a kid? A lot, Jordan. I did so much. I mean, being a child, eating dirt. No, I don't know. Uh, if you mean like as far as being an actor yeah I was definitely an imaginative child and I would like play all these characters in front of my parents like I played a I had this character and she was like a teacher I wanted to be a teacher and I'd make all my parents and and my siblings be my students but my character name was Miss Butt so I was like I'm Miss Butt don't laugh at me school's in session you know like hand out little pieces of paper or I um, got a hold of my dad's video camera and would make little movies with my sister and try to, like, edit the cuts to make them cool and, yeah, just constantly performing, I guess, so, yeah. Performing, I'm guessing, like, when did you, when you were, like, five? Well, I mean, like, performing as far as, like, there's all these home videos of me as a kid where I'm just like walking up to the camera and I start singing a song that I make up on the spot or I like want to be in the spotlight. Maybe that's middle child syndrome. I don't know. But yeah. And then I started doing like school plays, church. (laughs) I grew up in a Presbyterian church and I was like an 11 year old Mary in a church play. (laughs) So yeah, just started doing that. Then went into an acting camp in middle school and that's whenever with the Clarence Brown Theater shout out Clarence Brown Knoxville I went to an acting camp with them a few years in a row and that's whenever I was really like I'm an actor now this is what I'm doing yeah and that was in high school it started like eighth grade I think was whenever I always kind of said I was gonna do it but I think that was whenever I was like oh no like this is really what I'm supposed to do this is what I want to do yeah Hmm. 
I was, that's funny you say you were Mary. I was Joseph in middle school. Wow. <laughs> when worlds collide. <laughs> Someone had to play him. Someone had to do it, My you know? I don't know if you remember watching this. So I'm assuming from you saying that you grew up also in like a Christian yeah, household. Yeah, I went to a Presbyterian church as well. Oh, shit. Look at that. My brother is also in the military. Whoa, Jordan. He's in the Are we the same though. person? <laughs> Except I'm the, the, I'm the youngest. Oh, you're the baby. Yeah. Cool. So you, you were like... Your parents were like, yeah, okay, you can do whatever you want. Basically, yep. I always looked up to everyone. Oh, yeah. Like, but now you're tall, so yeah. you don't have well, to. Well, I mean, like, everyone's <laughs> older than you. Right, I know, yeah. Yeah, but you you grew up in a Christian household and doing all the church plays and all that good stuff. That well, was like a... Yeah, I didn't do any church plays it was the the play was at my school in seventh grade. Oh wow! So you went to a, a religious school. Which was a Lutheran school at the time. What? Oh, Lutherans. Went, That's intense. Apparently, or I actually went to three different. No schools. shade to the Lutherans listening. <laughs> <laughs> well, now it's called Belvoir Christian Academy. Mm. They had to get a little bit more open because everyone would thought it's a Lutheran school. We're not Lutheran. Don't send your kid there. <laughs> This is Lutherans only. Yeah, but people thought that, I guess, but I wasn't Lutheran and I was Did you ever watch The Nativity Story, that movie in church or whatever, or school? Maybe, probably. You know who was in that as Joseph? Who? Oscar Isaac. Who's that? My number one celebrity crush. No, he's he's like, you've seen Oscar Isaac. He was in Dune. He was in, um... Oh, he's, he's Poe in Star Wars is something that a lot of people oh, know him oh, from. Okay. He was in Marriage Story with Jessica Chastain, oh. a Coen, Coen Brothers movie. Oh, the nativities. You're talking about like the the one that's like from like 2017? Right. It was like oh. way before that. It was oh. like 2006. Oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> but it was, yeah, oh, it was like in it theaters. Was, it was after. Yeah. It was after the 90s, I guess. Yeah, after okay. the Oh, recently, like after the 90s. <laughs> Man, that's true. The 80s were only 20 years ago. 40 years ago. I know, but doesn't it feel like they should have been 20 years ago? Yeah. Like, I feel like, yeah, what is time? Like, I I have this weird feeling of, like, the 2000s and 2010 weren't really as iconic as the 90s, only because I lived through the 2010s. Yeah, well... Like zero through ten, like two thousand through two thousand ten. <laughs> yeah. I don't yeah. know. I will say that was like well, prime were... prime time for celebrity advertising. That's true. Do you remember the Pepsi campaigns and the milk campaigns? Like the the campaign where yeah, like where celebrities were posing, like Christina Aguilera posing really sexily to get people to drink more milk. <laughs> like there's so. just like billboards of of like Christina Aguilera and Beyonce with like milk mustaches being sexy, and all it is is advertising people to drink milk. Wow, yeah. yeah, now that you say that, I definitely remember that. Yeah. The cows forever. The era of Hillary Duff's Metamorphosis album. I mean, come on. It's a good time to I be alive. I'm slinging dirt on it. Yeah. A lot of good stuff. I mean, 90s were cool. 90s were if the 90s didn't exist, but, I wouldn't but be But I kind hurt. of feel the same way about 2010 through 2022. I don't know, but... <laughs> I guess if you lump that amount of time together you can kind of blur yeah like what just happened exactly yeah it's still so fresh kind of Mm -hmm. it's not that long ago i saw this theory that was like 
or somebody tweeted, they were like, it's 2022 and I'm still trying to process 2019. And I feel like a lot of us are because of the whole pandemic kind of broke up time in a really weird way for all of us. And it broke up art and like, and the acting industry and the music industry and live performing in general. That was so crazy. Yeah. We are still recovering. Yeah. I was fully on tour, like doing an educational tour and performing Macbeth. And then I was going to do Romeo and Juliet. And then it just halted. So I went from acting like 60 hours a week, basically, to fully not. And that was wild for my nervous system. Yeah. Oh, I do now. Yeah. I've been like, oh, this thing that I've associated with my identity is now halted so I guess I have to figure out fulfillment in other ways which I'm very actually in a weird way I don't want to be like that wellness girl that's like I'm grateful for the pandemic but like I was grateful to take that time and be forced for you know to kind of go within and gain some introspective and and be like why do I actually want to act like what do I actually want from my life as an artist right I think we all kind of like it mentally went there yeah the pandemic kind of like broke all of us. It's kind of like the country after like war too. Everyone's like so grateful, blah, blah, blah. Lots of houses and whatever. I remember what yeah. war and too. Then, and then like, like 2020, mm-hmm. it's like shocked everyone. And now we have an appreciation of that. Yeah. And I feel like to talk, to go back to empathy or whatever, I feel like it just created a lot more em- empathy for like neighbors. I yeah. mean, I remember I had a specific day when I was walking just on my daily daily block walk to keep my sanity and a neighbor I had just like gone through this meditation of being like oh we're all like one you know and this neighbor looked at me and was like good morning like how are you and just that one small interaction meant so much to me I was like wow like something so seemingly mundane or minuscule is so moving now just yeah. like community people actually choosing to reach out to each other and yeah where were you living at the time i was in east oh, nashville okay. yeah not far away. yeah walking around just walking around were you russell in a, street <laughs> were you in a house yeah uh, okay. yeah actually had a really good situation i was very lucky during the pandemic i would walk to like the turnip truck and all that stuff yeah so where you kind of asked you what was there a certain movie that got you into acting a certain movie that got me into acting that you were really into i've got i'm into so many movies honestly i love film when you're like a little kid initially were there any did you have any heroes yeah i mean heroines yeah i love i mean honestly i grew up watching like old movies and like classics like with Audrey Hepburn and all that stuff and I also grew up watching Lord of the Rings and stuff too so like sci-fi and fantasy and and um just seeing how people can transform into totally different beings that are so unlike themselves was so inspiring to me too like really cool like oh my god this person is like inhuman almost like how are they doing that? And that was always fascinating to me. Or, you know, any sort of kids movie I was watching, I would always pick a part that I wanted to play and then I would just act it out. Like there would be times where I would, again, recruit my 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 poor sister. You know, she's gone through so much for me. But I would be like, all right, you're this character, I'm this character and we're going to do a play now, you know. So I guess as far as 
heroes go. I mean, watching watching Lord of the Rings was pretty big for me as yeah. a child. Were you and really into Eowyn or Arwen? <laughs> I mean, both, honestly. Yeah. Arwen's great, but yeah. I feel like Audrey Hepburn was, was one as a child that I really liked a lot. Also, like, her humanitarian work was really cool and inspiring. And then as I've gotten older, I've kind of honed in a little bit on more of the type of artist that I'm trying to be and, like, Frances McDormand is one of my favorites, and Jessica Chastain is another one that I really love, and Laura Linney, like, these actresses. Obviously, Meryl, you know, like, I don't care if people think she's overrated. She she's she does magic on the screen. But yeah, just the idea of people who create their own stuff. Like, Jessica Chastain watching a documentary about the televangelists while she was filming Zero Dark Thirty and discovering like Tammy Faye as this character, then having her own production company, writing a film with people about Tammy Faye, playing Tammy Faye within her own production company and winning an Oscar. Like that trajectory is so inspiring. No, she was doing Zero Dark Thirty when she discovered Tammy Faye's story and became interested in in telling the story from her perspective, like through the eyes of Tammy Faye. Mm -hmm. She was a televangelist. I think it was like back in the nineties. Yeah, you'll have to you'll have to look it up. But it was a film that recently won her Best Actress in an Oscar. That she had a huge hand. Like her production company made it. So she basically came up with the idea, used her production company to like write and produce it, starred in it, won an Oscar for it. And that's just like totally out of her own mind and creation. And I think that's so inspiring. Wow. To not be like, I have to wait for somebody to give me a part. Like, I'm right. going to, yeah, I Make can create it. my own work. Yeah. That's awesome. You have to create your own opportunities. Yeah. Create the whole movie. Yeah. I mean, people are always creating their own opportunities. Everything comes out of thin air. Everything comes out of an idea that you're just given. So why is one person more worthy of having an idea than another? You know, art's totally objective like there's not it's totally subjective subjective. thank you for correcting me (laughs) mansplaining no (laughs) but yeah it's without like you can create your own opinion about it but there's really no right or wrong way to do it right there's people that are really gatekeepy and and dogmatic in the way they create art and saying it's got to be this formula and this is how you do it and there's all this stuff with like monetization like if you're making art to make money there's got to be this formula associated with it but that just is such when i'm on those sets it feels like such drudgery like i don't want to be in an environment like that sometimes you got to do what you got to do to get that bag but ultimately my dream sets are always the ones where people are there because they want to make art in a space with this unique set of people their unique set of skills and you know not trying to sell tickets, really. Uh, yeah. Like, fit the formula for success, quote-unquote. Right. I mean, you kind of have to do both in a way that's, like, going to be... what? How are people going to view this? Like, you have to ha- be publicly minded, but at the same time, if you're doing it to be a box office hit, it's probably not going to be the most fulfilling process, in my opinion. Right. Because if the outcome that you're seeking doesn't happen, you're going to be ultimately disappointed and you'll have made art that you didn't really like to begin with. Mm-hmm. And even if it does happen the way that you like it, you didn't really invest your soul enough into, or emotion enough into the art. So when it became successful, you didn't really feel 
Yeah. The full extent of the success. Right. Like, why do we do it? We don't do it to punish ourselves. We don't do it to, you know, if you're, there was this quote that's like, if you are susceptible to approval, you're also susceptible to disapproval. So if you're constantly seeking that approval, if it's not exactly as you want it to be, it's going to be heartbreaking for you. Yeah. And, and of course, like we all have an ego, we all want to have validation. We all want to be told like, good job. That was great. Whatever. But it can't be my why it cannot. The more I'm able to let that go and to be like, all right, you know what? I can make a fool of myself and that's okay. I can make a mistake or whatever. And that's okay. That doesn't mean I'm bad. <laughs> well, the great thing is if, if you're willing to make the mistake, a lot of people aren't. And so you will be able to like, like don't let things be embarrassing for you because that'll stop someone else. Yeah. And it's not that serious. Like yeah. it's really, people take it so seriously. It's not serious at all. We're all just little creatures on a floating rock in space. We all give ourselves tasks that we think are important essentially until we die. So <laughs> if you're not finding fulfillment in the things you the do, tasks. then what are you doing? You know, it's hilarious. I love that. Mm-hmm. That was a very great, like succinct way of, making our lives there you go there's your sound too. there's your intro sound bite yeah. <laughs> we're just on a floating rock we're on a floating rock in space i realize when i say that to some people like i really do feel like that is a comforting thought for me whenever i'm taking myself too seriously i'm like delaney who is delaney like what is this you're just you're just being like all these other people are just being too and nobody's judgment matters your judgment doesn't even matter but that's a comforting thought for me and i realize whenever i say that sometimes to comfort people it's not for them and i'm like oh yeah maybe i should maybe i should monitor when i'm like we're all gonna die and that's okay yeah let's get ready to die like let's just live life to the fullest we all die yeah that's like i was watching this interview with mel gibson and he's like, you know, like when you're when you come to L.A. and you become an actor in the beginning, you're like, everything's so exciting. You have these like insight dreams and then you like learn how everyone is mm-hmm. and it kind of beats the dream, not out of you, but like you become hardened. And then he's like and then like when shit starts happening to you, that's negative. You are in like you can't let it get to you at all. Never let anything get to you mm-hmm. because once it gets to you, you'll like never recover because then people will just press that button. It's true. It's kind of like acknowledging. If you're going to put yourself in this situation, people yeah. are going to sling stuff at you and you can't let anything bother you. It's like acknowledging we have an ego, acknowledging that my ego is there and that the feelings will arise, but kind of playing the observer of the feeling rather than doing that guilt shame spiral of like oh i feel bad and now i feel like now i feel slighted and now i feel bad that i feel slighted and now i feel bad that i'm feeling bad about feeling slighted and then it's just rather like oh i noticed like i had a little ego reaction there Ooh, i felt a little sting yeah i felt like a little embarrassed or i felt a little yeah you can't you can't if you do i mean you can but it's gonna be a long painful road ahead It's your choice, basically. Yeah. Yeah. So I thought that was really interesting. Like, you can't let anything get to you. You can't, and you can't take things personally because people aren't really out to get you, and they don't really mean any bad slides that they're doing to you. Not really. They don't mean to hurt you. It's just like yeah, their reaction to that, like Buddhist mentality. That's like everybody is doing the best from where they are, right? 
yeah, I say this too. I feel like people do bad things on purpose. Like they know they do things to cause other people pain, but they think, but, but they, they don't, don't know why, or they like don't know why they feel the need to hurt others. You know or what I mean? They don't think what they're doing is wrong. Yeah. At the time they think it's the right thing. They, it, or, I mean, they might think it's wrong, but they might think they have to, exactly. you know what I mean? Yeah. They have some justification. Yeah. Not like empathizing with corruption, but, <laughs> but yeah, from a, psychological standpoint it's like what is that and that's something honestly like in a weird way acting and you know encourages me to do is if i'm playing an antagonistic character like the bad guy of the play or something or the film you have to approach it as if you were this person so like what motivates you you can't be like oh i hate this character this is nothing like me it's like all right, what, how are we similar? I mean, nothing human is alien. We all have the good and the bad within us at any given moment. So being able to explore both, I feel like it's vulnerable, but it's what's needed for playing those parts. Yeah, you have to be able to think from their perspective. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you kind of answered this earlier, I think, but why are you drawn to acting? (laughs) That's a good question. I mean, other than like, always wanting to perform as a child. I feel like more and more now I am, I really love it because it helps me to learn more about myself and just the human condition. It also helps me connect more with other people. There's such a joy in like exploring different ways people live. There's so many ways to live and there's no right or wrong way, but being able to look through it through different lenses and dive into that Like, I feel like if I wasn't an actor, I probably would have studied, like, anthro in school or something just to study, like, human behavior and why we are the way we are and how we interact. Yeah. And why do I have certain reactions? And why do I think that if a line is written this way, it's got to be said this way? Like, why can't it be said any sort of way? Because a lot of the times we just say stuff. We say stuff we don't even mean. We sometimes, like you know, snap at each other, but we make it sound nice. Like, you know, like there's so many different ways that to be a human and to interact. And it's fascinating to me. I could do it. I mean, I want to do it every single day. So doing it right now. Yeah, we are. We're doing it all the time. (laughs) Okay, great. How do you develop your acting skills? So I feel like there's like an equal amount of learning and letting go i've gone on quite a journey and i'm still going to be going on it hopefully forever but like starting school thinking that it had to be very regimented thinking that it had to be like this dogmatic like do you study Udahagen? do you study stanislavski like what is your method you know like what is the school of thought you subscribe to that was very much like my collegiate point of view everybody was like no you have to do it this way there's like a certain formula for this And I do think that that was very necessary for me to go through, like going through a university, doing all these different trainings, exploring all those different schools of thought, like Meisner and Stanislavski and all these different, you know, people that have said this is the right way to do it. But more and more in my professional career, learning to let that go has been the most helpful thing for me. Sometimes it's like dare to be boring, dare to just say the words and let it happen. I think like ultimately surrendering and becoming like none to get all woo woo becoming the vessel for the character yeah like 
And that comes with, I think, confidence and relaxation. So like preparedness and letting it go. Come prepared, let it go. Memorize your lines, know the situation, know where you are in the world and just forget about it essentially which some people in the in the acting world would be like oh, that's a sin no you have to like have every beat planned but i feel like the more that i get in my head the less available i am to be moved so right. if that answers your question too much separates the mind from the body like whatever you get too intellectual about it then you can't yeah you overthink things yeah. and like i feel like there's such value in studying and developing a craft and having craft but i think a lot of that craft is also letting go like being a musician you learn the instrument so that you can not think about it and just play you know like mm-hmm. you there's you can't over intellectualize art you can't over intellectualize something so intuitive and so inherently part of all of us but there is a toolkit so i think like having a toolkit that i have I can take with me wherever. I can be like, oh, this scene maybe requires this tool. I'll pull this tool out and then, you know, use it in a certain way. And then also being so available to not be married to those tools and be like, that one's not working. Let me try this one or let me just drop it all and see what happens, you know? Innovative. I have to improv. Yeah. <laughs> so of all time, what are some of your favorite movies, plays, or actors? Yeah, well, okay, the Frances McDormand, Jessica Chastain, Laura Linney, Meryl Streep, Oscar Isaac. Uh, <laughs> favorite movies, though. Recently, I watched Seven Samurai, and that is such a good film. I loved that. It's Kurosawa. The Big Lebowski, formative. Formative for me. The Coen brothers in general, like, love their work. I love the Coen brothers' work. They're so cool. Yeah, I I watch a lot of documentaries too, um, but yeah, like films growing up, grew up watching the Coen Brothers, grew up watching all that stuff. Again, fantasy and and like the old school classics. Yeah, and plays. I mean, I love reading plays. I feel like there's new work being created all the time. Same with film. I mean, oh. Frances Ha is another great film. I love Greta Gerwig. Greta Gerwig is a fantastic director, and she's also like a young female writer, actor, director, which is really inspiring. But yeah, I feel like I have a lot of plays that I really like. My One of my dream roles that I will play before I die is Hamlet. <laughs> I want to play Hamlet. Yeah, there's so many. There are so many. Where do you find inspiration? <laughs> That's a that's a funny good question. I feel like everywhere all the time if I'm open to be inspired, it turns out I probably will be. Like li- being in New York this summer, I was inspired every single day by just like watching people exist or seeing people pick up an instrument on a subway and be really incredible at it or be so in- uninhibited with the way like they move and they're just like, I don't care if anybody's watching me. I'm just going to be crazy on the street or like openly cry. I feel like children are inspiring too. Like in a weird way, they're so uninhibited with their emotions. You just see a kid have an outburst in public and I'm like, whoa, they're just going for it. You know, like I'm not going to do that. But yeah, nature is inspiring to me. Anything that I can do to feel like connected to that oneness 
and you know like seeing a good movie seeing a good play I've been watching a lot of Succession recently on HBO. That's a the, all those actors are incredible. The writers are incredible. That's an inspiring art piece for me. <laughs> Going to museums, listening to music. I recently watched Synecdoche, New York, which is a ch- Charlie. New yeah, York. Yeah, it's a Charlie Kaufman film. With Philip Seymour Hoffman. Yes, did you see it? Yeah. And just like Kaufman, the way he writes is so inspiring to me too. Anybody that. Any kind of art that like comes from the soul and you can tell somebody's perspective on life and like the way Kaufman makes film, he it's not linear. You know, it's almost like this dream like cyclical Yeah, it's weird thing. It's like a circle is the way I would describe it's not even like a real tangible structure, you know? But I think that that's so cool. Whenever films really challenge the set point A to point B to point C structure, you know, the rising action climax, all that stuff. Whenever yeah. it challenges that, it's it's really inspiring to me because it's like, whoa, wait, art doesn't have to, like, film doesn't have to be made in this way, you know? There doesn't have to be, it doesn't have to be, like, a satisfying puzzle to my brain. Right. <laughs> it can challenge the way that I watch film. Right. Yeah, the movie was very strange. I like after watching it, I didn't know what I had just seen. Yeah, it's Fire like her in the bedroom. Oh, like, I know. What the hell's going I on? know. Well, it's like one of those things where I love walking away from a play or a film and being like, okay, I think I need a few days to think yeah. about that. Like, I I don't think I can talk about that right away. Like, it affects me, you it know? Did. It yeah. affected me too. Yeah, being affected in that way is so cool. It's like magic. Being touched. Yeah, being, it's like cathartic, you know, sometimes it's inexplicable, but humans are like pattern-seeking creatures, so whenever something is not in a tangible pattern, it can disturb us, and that's also fascinating to me, to be like, ooh, I'm like, I'm disturbed by this a little bit. Yeah, it's bizarre. Yeah. Yeah, that's why I like psychological thrillers. Yeah. I like to be scared and electric, or like, mentally. What's your favorite one? Um, I don't know. That's a really hard question. I. You're asking me hard questions. I, I get to ask you one. Okay, cool. Well, this hasn't been a psycho. Well, it's been kind of a psychological thriller. I've been reading this book as if it is a horror movie slash. It's an autobiography of this man named Al Jorgensen. He is the lead singer. Is the lead singer of a band called Ministry. Mm-hmm, and uh, mm-hmm. I went and saw them in March. But anyways, I like, learned about them in February, and I started listening to them because they had this whole story about how Al was so wild and crazy. He used to put hits of acid in his handle of Jim Beam Holy before he'd go on stage and drink it and trip and oh, and sing and my perform. God. And the guys in Tool and were like had been to one of their shows i think this was in 92 at Lollapalooza, mm-hmm. and they were like wow you're so crazy this is amazing and they like went to his tour bus and like tried to talk to him and i was like hey thanks guys and he handed them the bottle of uh whiskey with the hits of acid in it and then they drank it and they tripped so hard before their show and anyways they got really upset about that and decided to give him a bunch of fake acid and he ended up it was it was not fake acid. It was weak. They said it was weak acid, 
So he was like, yeah, you're going to need to take a lot of this. He took a lot of it, and he tripped for days. <laughs> Anyways. For days? Yeah, he tripped for a long time. And Al Jordanson said that that interaction with the guys in Tool is what made them become psychedelic on their next album. Honestly, I believe it. And that does sound like a horror story. Anyways, this guy is a maniac slash very intelligent. He's very charismatic, very extroverted high energy and um when you see interviews with this guy you learn where johnny Depp got his idea for jack sparrow this guy is he has the same mannerisms he does like all the same weird stuff he's wasted all the time always doing heroin anyways this guy has been the has piqued my interest for the past six months and i've just been reading his autobiography slowly and usually late at night because i'm like on tv i can't find anything that intrigues me enough right now so i need to see how this guy devastates his life oh my god and yeah. so he tells crazy stories about how uh, in la he was playing with johnny depp on stage and afterwards he was like really drunk whatever and they went around the city like driving and he threw a handle of jim beam at a cop and the cop turned into a police chase <laughs> and then they lost him. They lost the cop. Good. And he's like stories like that. It's just this whole book is full of that. That's and wild. So that's been the psychological. That was a really long time. If you want to know all that. No. Yeah. I asked. That's fascinating. I find his life very, I find autobiographies very fascinating. Yeah, me too. It's real. And like, as I've gotten older, fiction just doesn't, work the same way as it used to in my mind <laughs> you're like it doesn't hit the same it doesn't mm. and so uh, like i used built to built up a fiction tolerance when i was a little kid i was obsessed with star wars like, yeah well that's just wars. like the monopolization and lord, of the, and lord of the rings yeah i've not seen like the new series honestly so, like, like i mean i still watch star wars now and i still love it but like, <laughs> what you mean <laughs> and I still love it, but your Apple Watch was offended. My ability to like invest in a whole new story and like the way I was used to, you know what I mean? Yeah. I like don't have the impatience or whatever to invest in that kind of a story. I don't know why, as I do like fantasy so, and someone's stuff. real life story. Yeah. To be honest, the whole monopolization of like star wars and lord of the rings and stuff is such a turnoff for me because it's like you're just movies. churning oh yeah no i've never so many i've never seen them i i'm just like, i don't I iron man but now there's five of them. it's such a turnoff yeah no i i honestly like the original star wars episode four five and six and, and one two and three one two and three yeah i grew i did I grow up watching those yeah four five and six are my fave but yeah. one, two, and three are good too. But after that, it's like I watched a couple of the new films in theaters, and then I was just like, I don't. It seems like you're squeezing the life force out of this, and it's just so bored. It feels like, yeah, it feels like smooth. I don't know. I'm like, this is a smooth brain activity, like going to watch this and like consume. Yes, I shall go pay $29 for a popcorn and a movie ticket. And I will then make this my personality. And I will only talk about this online for, you know, it just feels like uh, weird. I don't know. Brainwashing, I guess, the whole Star Wars culture now. Yeah. And it did come from something really cool, like Princess Leia. George Lucas got inspiration from Kurosawa, actually. There was another film that he did. He's like the, he did Seven Samurai. 
there was another film that he did that was about like a samurai princess and and the the actual story itself is fascinating and it's really cool and a lot of the ways that they did that was really cool. Like before CGI, I feel like sci-fi was really cool. Like watching those films, like even Lord of the Rings with the orcs, you know? Oh yeah. Pre-CG. I'm pre-CGI orc Same team. Here. I am too. Yeah. When they did the fucking oh, I the know. Hobbit, it ruined it all. And they didn't have to make it. Well, that's another thing with the Hobbit. They made it three movies. It was a one book. <laughs> anyway, my nerd is showing, but. And they're longer than the Lord of the Rings. I know. And it was like, how do we make as much money as possible? And anytime it's a money grab, I can smell it. It stinks. Yeah, once they, once, I just knew once they quit making Urukai looks terrifying, I was just like, yeah. The orcs and the Urukai, like, mm-hmm. I would love to have one of my best friends we talked about one day, we're going to go to New Zealand and dress up like characters in order and get on horseback and ride to all the Hell sides. yes. And then I was like, for added bonus, I'm going to pay some people to dress up like Nazgul and orcs and like come after us at night. You're going to pay and, people yeah, to yeah, yeah. ambush you? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so That's then, next level. So that way Jordan. we feel more like we're in the movie. Oh. Like have ring rays come at night while you're like around your fire. You know what? Like, I want you to have the <laughs> most. I want you to have fun doing that. I, I'm not. I'll be good over here, but going to New, uh, New Zealand be cool. I'd go to New Zealand. Listen, how much are you paying me? I dress up like an orc. <laughs> I figured I'd drop some, drop some serious dough. Couple ten grand or so. Dang. Paying people to really, I'm gonna tell them like I really want to get like I'm about to die. <laughs> <laughs> the truth comes out. Here we go. Really National Artist Podcast I hearing. Like I'm on the edge. Hearing the the depth of Jordan's dream. <laughs> this has become a Lord of the Rings podcast. <laughs> Somehow said, I, mean, I bring this, this up all the time. I'm live out my, my yeah. Dreams. All right. There you go. You know what I mean, this is my an immersive experience. It's like exactly. an immersive exactly. theater experience. Maybe if I'll you will. have people walk around with cameras and videotape. But then I'll feel like I have to act. And no, I don't want that. Yeah. I want to be like, we're really here, Grant. We gotta go. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Anyways, gone way off. <laughs> so, what is the first thing you do to research and approach a role? Read the script. Read the script is the first thing, always. It's all in the script. And you can hear as much as you want from people about, like, doing the extra like what's my character's favorite color and all this stuff that's not in the script but that doesn't matter to me i honestly feel like what is given is so much to dive into and it can constantly change i also feel like having um a list for me of being like how am i similar to this character and how am i different from this character and the similarities i don't even think about i'm like well i don't have to worry about that and then if there's like like say a physical thing, like I had to play a sick person, a person with cancer recently in a scene and having one or two physical things. Like if I was to have an illness or something, I would look up the symptoms of this illness and just think, oh, nausea and back pain are two symptoms here. So how do I embody that without overdoing it? Like I know what it's like to have a hurt back. I'm not going to act like an old woman toppled over, but it's like, oh, I move a little bit differently or 
like if somebody put food in my face and I felt nauseous, I would probably react a certain way. You know what I mean? So not having any sort of over the top things and also not layering on too many things is important for me. So like having one or two maybe physical attributes, knowing my lines very well, knowing my lines is like number one too. like after learning the script, learn the lines and learn them in a way that doesn't get a pattern stuck in. So I feel like a lot of the times people can rehearse in the same way and I've been prone to patterns in my past, but this is a recent thing that I've been breaking out of is like, don't learn it in a way that I'm saying it out loud the same way. So sometimes I like seeing my lines or say it in a really weird way or say it really quickly, you know, just trying to be free of any sort of patterns because patterns are the death to spontaneity and I want to remain spontaneous when I'm acting. So I'm being available. Available? Yeah, like available to be like moved, like available to my scene partner. Like I'm there with them. Like I'm here with you now, Mm -hmm. you know, I'm responding to you. So you're nodding and I'm seeing that you're nodding, you know, you're agreeing and, and just noticing that. But if I was in my head about like, I have to say this line the next way I'm thinking about my next line, you're not, fully present so anything I can do to relax me get me out of my head be fully prepared and present and that is and it changes sometimes but ultimately through and through learning my lines knowing the script <laughs> what are your greatest strengths and weaknesses in acting oh boy just light questions here um, <laughs> <laughs> my greatest strengths and weaknesses god I don't even know I don't even know I feel like it's like you know, the whole ego thing, it's an ego dance. So not letting compliments or critiques really get to me personally. I feel like letting that happen is probably a weakness if I ever am like, oh yeah, they, I did really good. Like I need to do that again. I need to be good again or be like, ugh, like get in my head that I like messed something up. That's a learning, that's a journey for me is to kind of get out of my head. There's no like messing up. Um, because that is a hindrance whenever I can be like attached to the outcome. Um, Expectations. Yeah, attached to thinking I need to do this well, like there is a good, a good or bad, you know. So I guess that would be weakness that I'm working on. And I think in acknowledging it is working on it. But I guess the strength is like being aware of that, you know, being aware. And also not trying to make it about me. Like, it's not about me. This story is not uh, about Delaney being a good actress. You know what I mean? So, like, having that awareness, I think, is also a strength. And and I think I love connecting with people. I love talking to people. And I have cultivated that sort of ability. That wasn't something that was always inherent in me. But being able to dive in and be like, I can be vulnerable. Like vulnerability is a strength, you know? Nice. Self-awareness has been your strength and weakness, but it's now you're becoming aware of it. So yeah, you know, and it's like a dance at all times is to not, there's so many things uh, like there's so many blanket statements we make about ourselves all the time. And being an actor I've been more observant of that and as well as like I'm more observant of that in other people when people say I'm bad at this or I'm good at this like this is a strength and this is a weakness that's kind of like you're saying you're setting that in your brain a little bit all or nothing that all or nothing mindset yeah and so it's like letting that go letting that go like I'm bad at this well no 
Like, I don't have to. You can change that narrative. You can say, yeah. I'm observing this as uh, I see I see that I'm judging myself here. Or, like, I'm observing that I was not fully available in that scene. I was in my head or whatever. And, like, observing the times when you're not in your head and you are available. And, like, what's the difference there? And that's, I feel like, when you kind of can step back and view it without an opinion attached, without that judgment... I've been able to learn so much more for the for those moments than anything else. And whenever my my objective is to do well, to be liked, <laughs> to be a good actor, you know. Right. I was watching this interview with uh, Robert De Niro. Love him. He's another great one. Taxi Love driver. Taxi yeah, driver. Oh, yeah. oh my oh, god. Yeah. And Jodie Foster in that movie too. There's so many. Like you asked me what my right. favorite movies are. There's so many. Anyways, he was saying like. I've been in this industry for long enough that you have to just remain chill. Don't get too high. Don't get too low. Don't let things go to your head. He's like, I've seen people come and I've seen people go. I've seen them come and go. Yeah. And he's like, don't let anything like if you make like ten million dollars, don't don't get too high about it or whatever. Or if like you get the role that you've always want, don't get high too high about it because next week they could be like, you know, we had a change in thought. It's so true. He's like, don't. Even the successes do not get, he's like, just stay chill. Yeah, like, be excited or whatever, but don't, yeah. Don't overindulge. I feel like getting high is a good way to word it. Like, don't get too high. Like, still remain, like, yeah, this is what's happening. Like, I can be excited and this can feel good and I can know that I'm worthy of this success, but, like, be, yeah, keep your feet on the ground. Okay, well, it's not fully set in stone yeah don't get don't let it become an ego thing yeah yeah don't. right and like when someone's it's like i was watching this interview with neil pert and he was like i quit reading you know good reviews because if i read the good ones then i have to read the bad ones because i mean if i'm going to like what this person said and then not like what that person said it's like yeah you just can't read them or just like don't i mean read them or and don't identify with them yeah. or just like don't read them like yeah, he basically was like that. I just quit reading them. I mean, yeah, because you can read into what people say about you, and then think that you need to live out that ideal. Yeah, there's like that's another reason why I like Frances McDormand so much is she's been pretty idolized in the acting community. Like she's she is a fantastic actor, but I think part of the reason why she's maintained that and been able to deliver in so many films and and pieces that she's done is letting those comments good bad whatever like roll off of her you know like not fully identifying with the critiques or the praise because there's always going to be like there's always people are always going to say stuff they're always going to think stuff right and like that phrase of what other people think of me is none of my business it's like as long as i'm a good person and i'm showing up and i'm doing things that make me feel proud and i feel like i've done what i could do then there's nothing else. <laughs> yeah, you, you're not omnipresent. I can't be this person for everyone. You're right. Yeah. People don't even know what they want. You know, no, people exactly. don't even know what they like. It's, yeah. Well, plus, and if they have a pen, like, if they don't like you, at least they have an opinion about you. <laughs> yeah. I think it in music and in art or in acting, whatever, if someone doesn't know who you are, that's probably worse than people not liking you or a certain people not like you well i mean or like i guess it it would be better to have your art like be hated or like not approved of than not making it exactly like, like would you rather be nickelback or just <laughs> like 
still like would you rather be sitting on your couch looking at the tv saying i could do that i could do that better or would you actually rather do that exactly and have people daring to be bad at stuff yeah honestly that's such a thing we have with capitalism, with the world we live in, where everybody is making money from from what they produce, your worth is associated with that. So, again, being like susceptible for approval and disapproval and all that stuff. Like when you're working on monetizing everything that you create, when creation is associated with livelihood, that's when people are afraid to fail because it literally kicks into your survival instincts of like, if I am bad, people will not like me. I will not, you know, (laughs) right, exactly. Because it's like, Oh, I want to be good. I need to be the best. Whenever you claim that you're doing something, people are like, Oh, so you're saying that you're a musician. You're saying that you're an actor. Like, what have you done? What do you do? You know, that sort of, that sort of vibe rather than just like, what's making you happy? Like, what is bringing you joy and be okay with being a beginner be okay yeah. with being not the best at it all the time like right. i have so many little hobbies that i just pick up yeah and activities. I, I mean I, I do get motivated to become good at them or whatever but like learning to be okay with being bad at it the first yeah. few times like that is that's part of the beauty like having a beginner's brain is so good for yeah. Your mental health, I feel like. Remain a child. Yeah. Childlike curiosity. And I think that, like, being forgiving with yourself and allowing that space within yourself to be a beginner also opens that up for other people around you. Yeah. And it, you know... You tear down walls. Yeah. If you're more open and, I don't know, not taking anything so seriously. Exactly. Other people are like, great, I can have a great time with this dude. Because mm-hmm. we can shoot the shit and he'll just say whatever. whatever. Yeah. I also think... In art, you can't worry about too much being controversial, because mm. at the end of the day, it's art. What do you mean? Like, if you have, if you create something, people are like, God, you know, it's terrible, or like have an opinion about it. You can't like let their moralistic views on what you're doing and try to decide how you feel about what you're what you're creating. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff right now that I feel like it's being made because of the political climate of of people needing to be viewed as woke like like not to put not to put white men on blast but there's been a lot of like white male theater producers and film producers that have been specifically they've been like oh we're only casting diverse casts and they're trying to tell stories that aren't really even theirs to tell because they want to be viewed as woke you know Uh, what i mean and and they want to be self-righteous yeah and that just they are self-righteous not they want to be yeah it stinks. It's off-putting. It's like, you you are this privileged white male who's always been able to make whatever you want. So you telling the story of a poor black woman that's been, you know, or like this black queer story or whatever, like, you're not going to be able to... people that have experienced that, I guess. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing is, like, I can just... Whenever you are going into Realms. a project thinking... I must get the approval of others and like I must be seen as woke or whatever I think that can be counter to the point you know I think that these stories need to be told absolutely I love that they're being told but it's also like through what lens is it through a capitalist lens where companies are trying to sell you something and be like look how woke we are we're gonna you know pull the wool over your eyes so you can look the other way or you don't see what we're actually doing here or is it actually moving in the direction of 
liberating artists and telling everybody's stories. Right. It's like, what are the kids into these days? That rainbow flag? Fly it everywhere, man. <sighs> yeah, it's like... Whatever. If that's what people want... I know. <laughs> yeah. That's what we'll get them in the door. Like big we'll businesses. Put, yeah, we'll yeah, put one out there. Oh, my God. This rainbow shit, I don't know what it is. Yeah, sure. Yeah. yeah, whatever. Meanwhile, like behind closed doors, yeah. they're like donating to anti-abortion organizations right. and shit. Yeah. Right. Okay, cool. What are the different roles you have portrayed and what was the hardest? I portrayed a lot of different roles. Um, a lot of different roles. I guess like, man, I don't know. The hardest? That's... There was a time when I was doing a lot of Shakespeare, like, back-to-back, so I would have to be off-book for a lot of different scripts, and I just feel like the sheer volume of that was pretty challenging, but fun, even whenever it was challenging. So, I don't know. Yeah, I feel like whenever I was acting on Zoom, like, I did a play on Zoom during the pandemic, and I was just kind of like, why am I doing this? You know what I mean? Like, it was fine, but... It felt so detached in a way. Like, there's cool ways to act on Zoom, but the way this whole thing was going just felt very detached. So I think that's the more challenging thing is when I'm looking, you know, my eye line is to the corner of the room and my scene partner's in front of me on camera, but I can't look at him. And, you know, there's all this, you know, I feel like there's nobody in the room with me. I'm alone in a bedroom doing this play, and it just feels very lonely. (laughs) So I feel like that was kind of a, I felt unnatural. Like that's, that was a challenge. I probably won't, I'll do like Zoom readings, but I probably won't do a full production on Zoom again. I don't know. Never say never, but that was depressing. (laughs) Yeah, you can't look at his face because you'll be looking at the screen. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it's like ignoring the person you're speaking to, but also being alone and and knowing that you're all doing this play from your own rooms, it's like this weird kind of dystopic <laughs> dystopian, like... Yeah, that is interesting. Yeah, I have yet to jam with another musician. Well, like, I've taught drum lessons over Zoom, but I have yet to, like... Yeah. Here, you play guitar, I'll go down and play my drums. You can't replace the energetics of being in person. Mm-hmm. You can't. Mm-hmm. Even whenever... Film or theater, it's like, when I'm on set, it's everybody is there in person we're creating something together even if it's just a close-up of me i'm still feeding off everybody's energy right versus whenever you know i'm doing something by myself yeah how can i feel something when it's not there yeah Um, i'm floating in the void (laughs) (laughs) so out of shakespeare was probably the most difficult and like other than the zoom what, what was like in person Oh, I don't know. Yeah, pro- I mean, like, mm, difficult, not difficult, whatever. It's all a learning experience, but I think that, like, as far as, like, sheer physical demand and and um, volume of material to learn, yeah, I mean, doing eight shows a week, which is a, a blessing, but physically, yeah, I'm tired. There's this thing where... Shows? Yeah, like, plays. There's been times where... I can, like, like where, when you're doing it, like, in New York... Uh, no, like, I, I was an actor with the National Shakespeare Festival for a while. But also, yeah, like, when I'm on a film set, too, you'll be filming for sometimes 12 hours a day. And, you know, you get a couple breaks, but then there's sometimes a lot of waiting. So, like, you know, being an actor is a lot of waiting. If you're on a film or TV set, you get hired, and then 
you get put in your trailer and then they let you know when they need you. But sometimes there's issues setting up a scene or they decide to move around the schedule and everything because everybody's just trying to make it the best they can. And there's been times where I've ended up waiting around in a trailer for like four hours, five hours. And then they're like, okay, now we need you. But I've been like mentally preparing. And then I'm like, wait, should I have not prepared? Like, should I just wait? Should I take a nap? You're kind of in this limbo area. So that's always like, you know, an interesting thing to navigate. Yeah. A lot of challenges and rewards in it all. What is the single, like, easiest? You're like, oh, yeah. I'll... Easiest? Yeah. Man, I don't know. You're it's asking me these so questions. Easy. I don't know. I've had times where I've, you know, I've been like, that was such a blast. I could do that a bunch of times. I've been having a lot of fun making little one-minute films lately for my friend Steve in town started this showcase called Dare to Fail and it's one minute films and and I made two of them now I'm gonna make another one that I wrote but just doing that with a group of friends where there's low stakes high reward let's just have fun those times always fly anytime where I'm on set or you know in a rehearsal process where there's good vibes you know everybody's there just to have a good time and to, and to do what they love that's always like yeah i this feels easy it's automatically more fun it's automatically it flows easier whenever there's not all that i guess resistance mm-hmm. okay awesome and so you were here seven years seven years was i or how long were you yeah i guess so you, i think you said that earlier yeah i, I went to college and lived here and I'm back and forth like I'm I'm back and forth filming another feature that I'm working on called Sunshine Girls oh, yeah. we've got another pickup weekend in October so I'm back and forth and I'm you know I've got such a great community here that I'm like Nashville has always got a place in my heart I'm always gonna love it I'm always gonna come back just to hang out you know for a little bit but yeah making that film here has been a a, a great way to come back and hang there's a lot of great great nashville filmmakers and artists working in that space too so that's been really cool to see and people from out of town we got actor from la actor from new york me driving driving in from atlanta or whatever so nice converging yeah cool what have you learned living here like about nashville specifically you mean yeah what have you learned living in nashville hmm that there's just so much talent and community here. And when people have that sort of encouraging environment and a strong like group of friends that do a bunch of different things, it creates such a good space to, you know, create it and to be seen. And there's such a support system here. Like I feel like everybody I know is doing something cool and it's a really inspiring space to be in. There's also space for everybody here, whatever you want to do. And yeah, learning also that I have agency over the type of artist that I want to be. I don't have to be this cookie cutter thing. It's something I learned while living here. Nice. Yeah. Yeah, I was about to say, because you have pretty good, great perspective. Living in Atlanta, living in New York. Yeah. Living here. Also knowing that I kind of had to get out of Nashville for a while to really pursue this career. I mean, like, Nashville's great, but it's not like, as an actor, the industry is not really booming here. So going to one of those bigger cities and 
knowing that, all right, this is the time of my life where I have the stamina to be in New York and to make those connections. And I can work making those connections in New York and LA for a while and then live wherever I want to later, you know, live in the mountains, live in the country, whatever, right. and just have those connections. It's grind time. Yeah. I mean, not, <laughs> no, I refuse to hustle. <laughs> I will vibe in LA and New York. I will vibe my way to success. <laughs> She's just a great vibe. We love her. <laughs> Yeah. Okay. Cool. What is some advice you'd give to someone who's going to move here and pursue art? To move to Nashville and pursue art? Yeah, art, music, whatever, acting. Wherever you go, there you are. So it's never about if you're looking for something in a city rather than in yourself. Well, I guess not to get that deep, meaning like... You're like, no, let's back up. <laughs> well, I mean, there's obviously that. Wherever you go, there you are. Yes. There's a lot here. But, like, if you're going to come here, try to make it, what? As an actor? Anything. <laughs> Act, art. If you're going to come here and try and do art. I mean, honestly, like, having a group of people that are like-minded and encouraging and, you know, also provide different perspectives having a group of people that you trust that you can show your art to before it might be ready and that can give you feedback that's valuable be stay inspired go around and, and consume art and observe the kind of art you want to make and also that you don't want to make be open to learning from all different paths be open to changing be open to releasing some things you might have thought that you wanted to do or want to do and or who you were and yeah just utilize all the things that Nashville has to offer because there is a lot there's a lot of really skilled artists here that have years and years of perspective and yeah just finding a community finding finding support not feeling alone and not feeling like you have to do it alone either yeah yeah it's big here I like in the beginning it's overwhelming when you first get here because you're like everyone's so good I gotta find my way and meet people but then after a while when you find your people, it's you're like, well, they're trying to do it too. We're all in this together. It becomes less lonely. Yeah. And also just like have fun. Just do it. Right. Just make stuff. Just make stuff. That's like the thing. It's not that big of a deal. Just do it. If you have an idea. And no one really cares. I'm, I'm sounding like, what's his name? Shia LaBeouf. Just do it. But really like just put it out there because... The risk versus reward, the risk is super low if you allow it to be low, you know? And the reward of making something. Decide what things mean. Yeah, and like, just like the the act of putting something out there, like creating, I think, begets more creating. So whenever you put the first thing out, it's just going to keep going. So whether that's a song or a film or you paint or whatever you do, just do it. And then be like, all right, you know, detached from the outcome. Like, that was, I did it, I made a painting, I did that. Maybe I like it, maybe I don't, but I'll do another one. You know, you'll have another idea. You create that space for more inspiration to come through. I think last time we met, you said submit and forget. Submit and forget. That Well, that's the thing with, with acting and, like, you know, submitting auditions. I get so many auditions and there's so many one there's so many auditions especially lately that I felt really good about that I'm like, yeah, I nailed that. Like I I want to get it. But if I get in that headspace of like, man, I really hope I get it, I'm just going to be disappointed or like I will just if I get attached all the time, it's going to really be hard for me emotionally. So 
submit and forget. <laughs> Press the submit button and then let it go. I delete the sides, walk away. Nice. Okay, awesome. What is your biggest personal growth from last year to this year? Hmm. I think a sense of self-worth, <laughs> honestly. Yeah. Awesome. I don't have to go much deeper yeah, than that. No, that's, <laughs> I'm right there with you. Yeah, anything you would like to add that I haven't asked you about? Hmm. I don't know, man. Just keep doing it, everybody. You know, we're all... I don't have it figured out. I don't think... I think the point of figuring it out is, like, moot. Just keep doing it. Just keep doing things that make you feel good. We're all worthy of that. All worthy of creating whatever we want and changing our minds whenever we want. <laughs> awesome. What kind of YouTube videos do you watch? What kind of YouTube? Let me look at my YouTube do history. You... Yeah, I mean, like, I actually, okay, my, I've been introduced recently to Peep Show, which is a British television show, and it's actually the writers of Succession, and it is so funny, and you can find the episodes on YouTube. Yeah. So that's Peep been show. something that I've been uh peep show yeah highly recommend <laughs> also yoga with adrian i do yoga with adrian oh, like really? all the time i don't know why i, didn't, I, do I don't know why that didn't come to my mind immediately yoga with adrian is i try to do yoga several times a week so i feel yeah also actor videos like actor interviews you know nerd like that i do yoga with sarah beth oh who is sarah beth She's uh, another you too. There you go. Adrian's my girl, but I'm glad you have a girl. <laughs> yeah, I've stuck with Sarah Beth for a couple years now. Right. Okay, what is something absurd you love or do? Give trees little high fives on a walk. Give I, trees? I love, t uh, I love like touching the tree as I, I walk like by. I'm like, hey. I'll be like, thanks, tree. <laughs> I guess it's absurd. I don't know. <laughs> Um, yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> Overshare. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, thank you for coming back and me having not pulled a rookie move this time. Let's hope. Yeah, that's true. Let's hope it I, saves. It is the first day of Mercury in retrograde, so... Whatever that... I don't know. Shit can go haywire. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks for being here, Dwayne. Of course. Thanks for having me.